Welcome to ABF. Glad you guys chose to be here this morning. I wanted to, just before we dove into worship, just first, happy Sunday. Welcome you. And uh, also introduce you guys to uh, a friend of mine. Gary is uh, leading worship for us this, this morning. And uh, <laughs> see, don't you already feel at home know, here? Clap. That's yeah, great. You know, <laughs> And so uh, Chad and Erica are celebrating their 14th wedding anniversary and have a little retreat this weekend, so we're excited for them to get a chance to be refreshed, but if we can just stand up and dive in and worship with all of our hearts, that would be the best way to welcome Gary. like a hurricane I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy when all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize just how beautiful you are how great your affections are for me and oh how he loves us all oh how he loves us how he loves us Feel free to stand as we sing this, bless this song. He is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. All of the sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions mixed by glory And I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me Oh, how he loves us all Oh, how he loves us how he loves us Alright, let's lift our voices Yeah, he loves 
Thank you, Gary, and the worship team for leading us this morning. That was a blessing. I really feel like after just the, letting those words sink in, you could really just go home right now and just be all right with that. And so, uh, but instead, you'll get a little bit into God's word here this morning, get a chance to continue in our series in James. I have to admit, this morning I show up with a, a little bit of anxiety. Uh, the anxiety comes from a particular test that I have that's looming tomorrow. It's the California Rules of the Road written exam. <laughs> so I get to go and uh, engage in this test. I think they have a few practice ones that I get to do online to make sure that I know. Maybe if you guys have any tips for me afterwards, you can uh, give me some of those. That would be great. But there's something about tests. There's uh, like I'm not a fan of tests. Anybody else in here not a big fan of tests? I remember after I graduated uh, college, there was a couple months following uh, that, like I'd wake up in the middle of the night, like in a cold sweat, and be like, "Wait, I have a test tomorrow." 
And I'd be like, oh, I don't. I'm done. Thank the Lord. Sorry, guys. And, uh, <laughs> and so, but there's tests. And, and if we're honest, lo- tests are part of the deal. Part of, I mean, life is packed with tests. In fact, over the last couple of weeks in the book of James, we've seen a couple different tests that we face. And uh, we, as, as a Christ follower, that we are part of everyone's experience. And the first one, who can tell me what two weeks ago, the test that we face is trials. I'll help you out. Trials was the test that we, glad you guys are listening. That's, that's really, really great. And then, so trials, uh, then, then last week we talked about another test that's in the life of every believer. And this is, oh, thank you. At least we got a one week memory. That's fantastic. <laughs> So, so we're continuing in the series in, in uh, James, and we're in a third test this week, and you might hear this test, and you might be like, not really sure how that's a test, but this week's test is my response to God's word, my response to God's word, because believe it or not, that's part of the test of a true believer. When Jesus describes a believer's life, he, he said this, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Truly disciples of mine. It's a determining factor. John 14, 23, Jesus says similar. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Isn't that a great verse? If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. It's a critical decision as to what we do with God's word. Is it a book for study, or is it truly a shaping force in our lives? Is it a book for study, or truly a shaping force in our lives? One of the most challenging things as a pastor over the years, I'm, I, I think I'm in year 16 now, but one of the hardest things as a pastor is giving someone, he's sitting down, they kind of uh, lay out just the, the trials of the different things that they're facing, their hardships, and you give them, like, you give them what you believe as best as to your ability is just sound biblical advice, and then you, they, they walk away from that meeting, and what do they tend to do? Not take it. And, and, so, and so one of the hardest things is, is to watch somebody's train, their, their life just train wreck because you're like, man, I gave them some, some great next steps, some things directly from God's word, but instead of allowing it to transform them and to change the way that they live and then the way they respond to situations, it just becomes a heady knowledge thing. When life actually squeezes in and gets difficult, they make the choice not to actually apply it to their lives. Or I hope this morning in the hope of uh, James as he's writing to his audience is that we would be more than that. We wouldn't just be hearers, we'd be doers of God's word. And that's the text we're in this morning. Let me pray for us as we get started. Dear God, we thank you for this challenging book, the book of James that, that hits us head on. It doesn't skirt around the issues. It talks about the real Issues that we face in life having to do with trials, having to do with temptation, and here this week, how we respond to your word. Is it going to be something that just builds up head knowledge, where we know a lot about God's word, but it doesn't really impact the way we live? I pray that that would not be so in this church. I pray that that would not be so in my life. Pray now that you'd speak to us from your word, that you'd just cut directly to our heart, 
And this would maybe even be a marker in folks' lives where they make the turn from being hearers to being doers. You know, that's only possible through the power of your spirit. So we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, well, if you have your Bibles with you, and the nice thing is if you don't, you have one in the pew in front of you, uh, you can grab with me uh, the book, God's Word, and we're in James 1, continuing. We're in verse 19. I'd love to see, look around and see a Bible in everybody's hand. And uh, if you don't have one, make a friend with a person next to you. And um, so we're in verse 19 here this morning, and we're going to start by seeing in the text... That right living is the goal. I'll explain that in a second. Verse 19 says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. The righteousness that God requires. Let's pause there for a second. The audience, who's he writing to? We've already talked about that in the book, but you see here again, he says, know this, my beloved brother. So fellow followers of Jesus Christ, he's talking to. And then look at it, he even broadens that. He says, let every person, is there anybody in the room that doesn't fall in that category? Yeah, I, I think all of us. So this is very applicable, applicable, but you jump down to the end of that section and you see what the desired goal is. It says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. I think it's important that we know what the end goal is first before we kind of dive into this text. The righteousness, righteous, righteous. It's funny, as I was thinking about that this week, the word righteous, I think we've kind of made it a little bit too churchy, right? We've, we've taken the word righteous and we, we throw it around like, thou shalt be righteous. And like, we're not really sure what to do with that term, but really by definition is the, the righteous is basically living right. Is that a little bit easier to swallow than righteous? Living right, rightly before our God, the, the, the way that God, our creator, our maker designed us, he has a specific way that he's saying, hey, this is the right way to live and this is the wrong way to live. Does that make sense? So righteous is a little bit more palatable when you think of it as just like, hey, living right as defined by creator God. And so that's what we're looking at is he gives some real practical ways of what it looks like to live right. And he dives into some, some uh, very tangible things. How about the first one that he mentions there? In verse 19, what does it say? Quick to hear. Quick to hear. So right living is the goal. And one of the things, practical things to move towards that is quick to hear. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. Have you guys, or do you guys, have one of those people in your life that is constantly talking, constantly talking. Yeah, don't look at the person next to you. Uh, but uh, but I, I think everybody, if we're honest, we've come across that person, at least in our life, that they're just a talker. I mean, it is like next to impossible to get a word in edgewise. I was, we do this um, thing at the, at the church I was coming from. It was kind of like a welcome lunch for new folks, similar to what we did here a couple weeks ago. And I met this guy, and I've never met a person 
that could talk more and faster. Like, I mean, he, like, I was exhausted by the end of the conversation, you know, I, and I thought back, I'm like, I don't think I said anything other than hello. I mean, it was just like this barrage of, and, and you try to have those like, uh, and we've all learned these polite ways to kind of turn the corner or, or get a, a word in edgewise. None of those. They were just falling empty. Like, he just kept on talking. I mean, this guy was committed to it. I don't know if you guys have anybody else in your world, but that's what it's saying here is that we're supposed to do a little less talking and a little bit more hearing, a little bit more hearing. And I, uh, I think it's interesting that it uses the word hear and not the word listen, because we can listen and not hear, right? We can listen and not hear, I, um, I was thinking about this, even my, my wife uh, maybe would comment on this because so many times I will, uh, she'll say like, Scott, I just told you that like five minutes ago. Any other, other husbands? Are you going to leave me hanging out here? Uh, okay, glad there's two of you. Uh, and so, and I, I, she'll be like, I just told you like five minutes ago that I was thinking this. I'm like, did I respond? <laughs> Did I respond? That's the critical question. And uh, Gary's done that before. And, uh, and so, so the, the question here is, by definition, are we actually good at hearing? Are we quick to hear? By definition, hear is to understand fully by listening attentively. Understand fully by listening attentively. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with that? Some room for improvement in the, in the, in the hearing piece? That's the first thing that he points out, fascinating, when he's talking about right living, being quick to hear. The next one there, slow to speak, slow to speak, very similar, so we're supposed to be better at hearing, but also slow to speak, thinking through our words before we say them. Anybody would love to hit the rewind button and take back some things that you've said over the years? I know I have. I, we could all point to different embarrassing moments. As a pastor, there's lots of opportunities for that. Uh, I, can, I, can, I can go through a list of them. One, of, uh, one that really stands out in my mind, I've gotten to do a lot of weddings because being working with young adults for a long time, I end up doing a lot of ceremonies in this one particular wedding. In the initial welcome and greeting, I was uh, just kind of setting the tone that this just wasn't a, a man-made thing that we we're here to do together that I said, this is, this is God's plan for bringing two men together. And, uh, and I, I paused, and I, I had to pause for a second. What I meant to say was God's plan for bringing a man and woman together. I said, uh, that's not the church that we were in. And so, and so we were... Um, and so, so we can all point back to things that, man, if we could back up time and do things a little bit differently... But it's funny that the text, when it's talking about right living, points out being slow to speak. Slow to speak. Think how many difficult and hardships that you've been in that could have been avoided if you actually stopped and thought before speaking. Isn't scripture simple and, and clear and doable? Like, let's do, like if we actually slowed down and thought, allowed the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, to, to, to run it through the filter of like, hey, is this, is this God honoring? Is this going to be edifying? Is this building up or is this tearing down? Asking some of those questions. I had a coworker for a season in ministry that it was kind of strange because every time you'd ask him something, 
there was always this like long, awkward pause. Like you could almost see in his eyes, like the wheels were turning. You know what I mean? Like you're like, you there? Are you stuck on pause? Like, do we need to reboot? Uh, but, uh, but, but th- this guy, but I actually learned to appreciate it because what he was always doing is really thinking through his responses. What a gift. What a, what a blessing we could bring to our day if we actually thought a little bit more before speaking, slow to speak. What else does it say about right living? How about this one? Slow to anger. Slow to anger. That's what the text says about right living. Slow to anger. A marriage lesson that I've learned over the years. Here's another tip for the guys. Sorry, guys. I'm hitting you hard this morning. Uh, But what if, what if we started to realize that when our tone goes up, our wife's ears hear less and less. Anybody else notice that? When our volume goes up a couple notches, all of a sudden they're hearing, they're hearing like the, the, the peanuts cover. Remember that, te- that teacher in Charlie Brown's that was just like blah, 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 blah. That's what our wives hear when the volume goes up, there's, uh, you guys can pay me for that advice later. Uh, and, and so, and so that, that is such great counsel, slow to angle, anger, making sure that we're, that, we're, that we're allowing ourselves to process things, not get bent out of shape over little stuff. Slow to anger, slow to anger. Anger isn't the issue. It's actually an emotion. Did you guys realize that? Anger is an emotion. It's something that can be a good thing. Like when you hear the news this week and you see the senseless killing in Boston, like that should stir something up. That should move us to anger. It can be a good thing. But what do we do with anger? Notice that the, the text points out, it says, it says in the text, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. I wish sometimes believers get, would get a little bit more angry about some things of God, right? That we get fired up about some of the things that, get, that gets him fired up. But here it's putting in the text, a part of right living is not the anger of man. So these three, he starts the text just with these three tangible ways of how right living looks. But then he moves on in verse 21 that he's saying, man, but that's, that's a starting point. But if we're going to actually download God's word into our lives, there's some other things that needs to happen. Verse 21 says this, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Let's pause there. It says therefore, which means because of that. So in other words, since righteousness is the requirement, we have to take off some stuff and replace it with some new stuff. We have to take off some stuff. What, is this, what does the text say? It says that we're to put away all filthiness. Put away all filthiness. But the idea of put away assumes what? Assumes that you actually have absorbed that. that that's part of the life. He's, remember, he's writing to believers. So the put away assumes that it's part of the life of his audience. And so we can't be here this morning and not assume that that's not the same exact charge for us in today's present day church. That we have some putting away of some things to do. 
The text describes it as filthiness. The word, the, the word translated, I thought it was interesting, I was reading this week, the word filthiness was very close, the Greek word was very close to the same word that is used for wax, for wax, like what you kind of get build up in your ear, sorry to be gross here this morning, and, 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 and how relevant that is when the buildup of filthiness uh, allows all of a sudden the voice of God not hearing it so much. That, that connection with other believers, not really there. Our ability to, to, to be slow to anger, our ability to, to be slow to speak, to quick to hear, all of that is stopped with filthiness. And he's saying in the text, you've got to put that away. You've got to put that away. And I, we can't assume here this morning in this room that there's not some putting away to do even here in this room. I don't know what that is. You can maybe fill in the blank. Is it gratifying sexual lust? That seems to be a prevalent one here in our, our culture that's obsessed with it. Is it the consuming pursuit of wealth? The consuming pursuit of wealth that seems in our environment here to be, have a grip on so many. Is it the way that we glorify violence? How about this degree of filth? Deep-rooted bitterness. Deep-rooted bitterness. People that are just holding on to grudges and anger. They've given themselves permission to not forgive. I don't see that in scripture. What kind of filthiness do we need to get rid of? It says here in the text that it's rampant. It's all around us. It's so much all around us that what? We grow numb to it. We grow numb to it. And it gets in the way of what it says needs to happen. We have to make room so that with meekness, the implanted word, the idea of implanted. I love that idea of it being planted inside of us. This past week, I had the, the opportunity to buy a new tool for, for preaching. Uh, it's, a, it's a computer program called, called Lagos, uh, which is kind of fun. We, I, I've had access to it in the past, but had to uh, kind of reboot that up and download that. It was so fun to just kind of go through, and any text that you're looking at has 8 million resources that you can direct towards it, so I might have something profound to say here on Sunday mornings uh, that didn't come from me. Uh, but th this program is so fun to download that and see like, man, that's at my disposal now. That's such a great resource to be able to point to all these commentaries, the Greek, the Hebrew, the wh whatever other resources out there. It was in there. But how true is that for us in our lives? When we, when we get rid of the crud, when we kind of delete, delete all the, uh, the programs and start fresh and start downloading God's word, the implanted word of God in our lives, how are we doing with that? How are we doing with that? Is that a priority? Are we still on version 1.0 and we should have had like 50 updates since then? Like have we, do we keep downloading God's word? Like are we still get, put, ignoring that little, uh, anybody get this on the computer? It's time to install updates, install updates, install updates. And I'm like, leave me alone, leave me alone. It's, it, it's good enough. But a lot of us have that exact same mentality with God's word. You're like still surviving off of like downloaded information from like 20 years ago in Awana. You know, like we're, we're, we're like, man, I, I, man, I, I got it. in cubbies. I'm set, man. I got, I got it. I, I took it enough Bible verses there to do me for the next 50 years. But a lot of us are not realizing that this implanting, it needs to continue happening regularly, coming, downloading all the updates, all the updates, keeping it coming so the implanted word of God can take root in your life. 
And so some of us get stuck with the downloading process, not doing that often enough. Other of us get stuck in this next part of the text where it's just pointless information if it's just on your hard drive. If I, if I never opened Lagos, what would be the point of it? Like if it didn't actually transform the way I did sermons and it didn't, I didn't utilize it, you'd be like, well, that was a waste of money. You, you misused the church's funds there. Like that was silly. Why would you do that? And that's what the text is saying here as it continues, that not only do we have to make room for the word of God, we must act on the word of God. Verse 22, you guys are all familiar with this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, I like this illustration. He's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be, what, blessed in his doing. It's part of the response. So he points out that the implanted word of God is kind of a pointless thing. If you've downloaded and you're not using it, it's kind of silly. It says that you're deceiving yourselves. What are you deceiving yourselves about? You're actually deceiving yourselves about your spiritual state. A lot of people can think that, man, I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. Like, I, I've got this God thing going. I, I've been coming to church for so long. I've built up my knowledge base like none other. But when you get to these areas of like, huh, how about the right living part? How are we, how are we doing with being quick to hear, slow to speak, avoiding anger? How are we doing on some of those things? How are we doing with some of the filthiness? Like, you're like, yeah, but I know John 3:16 really well. And so, and so, but the, but the point here is, is saying, man, it's got to it's gotta be more than that. It's got to be more than a knowledge base. When you guys are coming to, to youth ministry each week and you're like, man, I, I heard a, John said some great things this week. Then you go right back into your school and you're like, man, it's not doing anything. It's not changing how I respond to temptation or respond. You know what I'm saying? Like it's got to shape us. It's got to mold us. It's got to change us. Otherwise, we're just deceiving ourselves. The illustration that he gives is a good one. The idea of someone that looks at themselves in the mirror and forgets what they look like. When I was uh, about 24, maybe 23, I uh, remember going and getting uh, my hair cut. And the person I'd been going for a while uh, said to me, said some, some words that I'll never forget. She said, hmm, looks like you're starting to thin a little bit back there. <laughs> I said, What? what is this madness? What are you talking about? And I, I was in denial. And I, I, I was like, no, I'm not. It's not thinning back there. And I, I remember going back at home and, 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 and getting the double mirror. Anybody do that so you can kind of look? Some of you guys that are going a little bit, I see it. You guys check this. And, I, and you look in that, that second mirror and you start looking in the back and you're like, wait a second. I think she's right. It's looking a little less sparse back there. And that little less sparse started to become a little less and less sparse over time. It was not something I forgot. It was not something I forgot. It was not something that I went and looked in the mirror and all of a sudden I was like, balding, what? No, no, it was something that was implanted. You know what I'm saying? Like, get that, get it? Uh, so, uh, and so, 
And so it, it, it was something that, that, that stuck with me. And, and, and so finally, after it got thinner and thinner, I'm like, I'm just shaving that sucker, you know? Forget the, I'm not doing the comb over. And so, and so I, I did the, I, I just shaved it. And, and so, but the point being in the text is like, how silly is that? That's exactly the same of us that are exposed to so much truth about ourselves through the word of God. We see it, we see it on a week-to-week basis, but does it actually transform us? Does it actually change the way we live? Does it actually change the way we respond to life? And in, in, in the text, it, he basically paints two, two camps in verse 25. He says, you're either a hearer that forgets or a doer who acts. A hearer that forgets or a doer who acts. What camp do we fall into? Somebody were to describe us, which camp? There's certain information that when you hear it, you're like, man, I got to do something with that. That's information that can change my life. When I was in, uh, in high school, I had a, a job after school, and this is how I started saving up for cars. As my, my uh, sister was dating a guy that owned a kitchen cabinet company, and so every day after school, I went and worked at this kitchen cabinet company and uh, learned how to make kitchen cabinets. I, don't, I haven't made one since, but uh, uh, and I think that's the last useful thing I've learned with the house. Um, but uh, made kitchen cabinets, so learned in, the, in this uh, kind of setting how to put them together, how to shape them, how to uh, cut down the wood. And they had in this kitchen cabinet company, they had this saw that they would use for cutting like the most like uh, granite or whatever. I mean, whatever. I mean, this was a saw. I think it was diamond blade something. I, I, that's the second time I've mentioned diamond blades in sermons here. But anyway, diamond blade saw. And I remember when I heard the instructions on how to use that, you better believe I was paying attention, right? Right? You see that and it's zipping through a Formica and you're like, I should probably know like how that thing works. And so when he's walking me through, here's the safety thing. Here's the thing. I'm like, I'm like locked in because like I didn't want to miss a single word that was said because why? I was about to take a risk using the, the cutting things at age 15 that could lose fingers. Like, you know what I mean? Like this was a, this was a serious business. Now, what if we had the exact same mentality with God's word. When we heard it, we're like super attentive because we're like, man, I could wreck my life if I don't pay attention right now. If I don't listen to this, if I don't absorb this, if I don't take this in, man, things are not going to go well for me. That's what it's saying there. Making sure that the, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. He will be blessed in his doing. Some of us forget that God's word is written for us because God has our best interest in mind. He wants us to have life and have it to the fullest. That's why he wrote this book. So we've seen there in the, in the text that, that it's important not only to, to make room for the, the, the word, but also to act on it. Now continue in verse 26 we see some practical things from James. What does right living look like? What does right living look like? Take a look in verse 26, what it says. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, isn't it interesting in this short text, 
two different times what's come up the tongue things that we say the things that we speak out of all the ungodly things that James could have landed on he chooses to go with the unbridled tongue you know why because words are such a powerful thing such a powerful thing do you realize that a word that is spoken can be something that rattles in somebody's brain for years and years to come. I genuinely, anybody else like this? I genuinely still remember some of the hurtful things said to me in junior high. Anybody else like that? I can bring to mind some conversations of things that, that people said to me that I'm like, that hurt. You know what I mean? Like you, you think back, no, don't, don't woe is me. Like I, I, had a good, I had a good childhood, all that. But, uh, but, but there's still some things that like cut like a knife. This is a good reminder for those of you that are in junior high. You're like, man, you can jack up a pastor for years to come. And, uh, but, but, uh, but, but the reminder of the power of an unbridled tongue, it can ruin somebody but on the flip side, what else can words do? It can make a person feel like a million bucks. Your words can be so affirming and encouraging. You know, like, like, like the things that have been said that have been uplifting. I think of some of the, the conversations that my dad has, ha has had with me just over the years, just even before moving out here, just saying he regularly revisits, hey, son, I just wanted to remind you, I'm just really proud of you. That still echoes in my brain like daily. Like the words that we have have the potential to cut and hurt and cripple people, but they also have the potential to heal and to comfort and to encourage. How are we using our words? How are our words being used? Are we using them for that? For good? Like I, I remember that in, uh, in Spider-Man, that, that one scene where the grandfather pulls aside the, uh, what was his name in Spider-Man, the guy? Peter Parker, that's it. Uh, pulls him aside and, said, and reminds him, you know what? With great power comes great responsibility, right? Like how true is that with our, our, our words? They have the potential for great power, but with, but with them, there's great responsibility. How are we handling this responsibility? Proverbs 12, 18 says this, the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. I want that to be said about me, about my words, because our word, the words that we speak define us. The words that we speak. So that's why he points out the bridled tongue here as what does right living look like. In verse 27, he continues what true religion looks like. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So the first one, right living, controlling your tongue. The second one here, concern for the helpless. Concern for the helpless. There is described as the, the widow and the orphan at that time. There was no social welfare system in place. There was no means for making an, in, uh, an income for the widow. They were legitimately helpless. They were legitimately helpless. It might look a little bit different in today's world, but I guess the question is, what are we doing for the helpless? What are we doing for the helpless? I love that we got to see the video this morning that we're able to support some different ministries out there collectively. That's a fantastic thing. But I guess the, the bigger question is, and, and, and something that each one of us should wrestle through, is what am I doing for the helpless? 
what am I personally doing? One of the things I'm excited about and what the, the elders have a heart for and have kind of commissioned me in my role here is to figure out some just tangible ways that we can do a better job of getting out there and serving some of the needs in the community around us. Anybody else game for that with me? And so, so one of the things I'm going to be doing this next year is we're going to be starting kind of an umbrella of ministry called Next Door Ministries. And we're going to be coming up with different opportunities to look at some of the tangible ways that needs around our community can be met. That we can roll up our sleeves. It's so much easier when it's done in community rather than kind of the Lone Ranger thing. Anybody else felt that? Like it's so much easier to serve when you're, when you're doing it with other, other people. And that's God's design for the church. And so just know that this area, it rings, it rattles in my brain regularly. Figuring out what we can do to serve the helpless. So be ready. I'm this, that's my little uh, forewarning for you. Like this is on the near horizon. And I'd love to talk with you. One of the first things I want to do is figure out what some of you, it's fun to hear stories, figure out what some of you are currently doing. Because some of you in the, in the uh, season of not a ton of, uh, of at least upfront leadership with that have been going off and serving in different capacities and doing different things on a regular basis. So we're going to start by bringing some of those things, if you're willing to help lead them, uh, under the umbrella of this next door ministry idea. And so for us as a collective community, this is going to be a goal in the next year, figuring out how we can meet some of the some of the needs in the world around us. And so are you guys cool with that? Is that, is that? is that a convicting area like it is for me whenever you see texts like this talking about, man, what am I doing for meeting the needs in the world around us? The last thing that it points to is this. It says the avoidance of worldliness. It says, and to keep oneself unstained. Isn't that a funny description, the idea of unstained? That that's the effect of associating with the world too much? You start to pick up stains, you know? Like anybody else hate that when you're, you, you got a shirt on that has a stain on it and you're like, oh, that's, that's not fun. That didn't come out even with the shout stick. You know what I mean? Like that's the, that's the worst though, when you run something through a cycle and you're like, that's, that's there. That's stained. That, that ain't coming out. But that's exactly the description that the text gives of, of what the world's impact on us. How are we doing with that? Can we say that we're unstained? Or are we just walking around with clothes that just, man, it's all over us. The stains of the world. How are we doing with this? I told you at the beginning of this series that it's kind of like uh, going into the, the book of James. is kind of like going into the ring with a UFC fighter that you don't know if you're going to get punched, kicked, or choked, you know? And so my hope this morning, we, we saw a lot of things that God's words pointed out. A lot of different things that, that he points out towards right living. What, what were some of them? He, talk, he talked about it early on. He talked about quick to hear, making sure that we're, that we're good listeners, that we as, as husbands and wives, that we're doing a great job. How about kids on that one? How are we doing with listening? Look, quick to hear. Maybe your parents actually have something of input to say in your life. How about that idea? Quick to hear. Slow to speak. Being slow, really thinking through our words before we speak. Slow to speak. But you guys to wrestle in the spirit. God, what do you want to work on me? Slow to anger. Slow to anger. Putting away some of the filthiness of this world. Maybe some habits and some routines that have snuck in. How are you doing with that? Taking on the, more of the word of God as it become just kind of a, a, something that we're numb to. Or you're like, yeah, I hear it on Sunday mornings, but that's the last time. How are we doing with the implanted word of God? Our last section of scripture there, 
controlling the tongue, controlling the tongue, really making sure that we have a bridle on it, concern for the helpless. My ask of you guys this week is that you'd spend some time in this section of scripture alone. Just meditate on it a little bit. Let it wash over you. Seek the spirit on that. God, what do you want to work on me? How do you want to change? How do you want to transform me to not be a hearer, but be a doer? I promise you, if you actually do that, he'll lay something on your heart. I know he does it with me regularly. If we actually seek him on this, the spirit wants to work with us on this process of becoming like Jesus Christ, becoming righteous, right living. Let me pray. God, we thank you for so many just practical challenges from your word this morning. We thank you that you have our best interest in mind, that you want us to live right, not just as a dictator ruling over us, but, because, uh, but as a loving maker, the one that designed us, that formed us, that shapes us, shaped us, that knows us better than we know ourselves, the one that cares about us so deeply. I pray, God, that we would submit to that transformation process, that we would truly be doers and not just hearers. Pray that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I want to invite up uh, John. A Amber, are you willing to come up too? I know you're more behind the scenes. We'll invite Amber up as well. <laughs> We're just grateful for their ministry over the last five and a half years and just uh, really excited for John. I wanted to hear just a quick update maybe on what this last week looked like for you. He's in, if you didn't catch this, in training to be a sheriff. And so tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's a paramilitary style boot camp. So it's a lot of yelling and uh, running and push-ups. Just a typical day at ABF. So, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've lost my voice. Um, I feel a lot like Daniel, um, and uh, where he got taken out of what he was used to and put into a new culture, and um, because he obeyed God and is faithful, he, he was raised up into leadership. Um, I've been asked to do uh, different things. I've lost my voice because I've been out leading the marching, and you're having to yell over the sergeants and TAC officers that are yelling at other recruits that are messing up, and so um, it's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been pretty amazing, but like you said, with, uh, with a lot of power comes great responsibility. And so um, definitely covet your guys' prayers as I go through this, and, uh, and uh, it's, it's a big, big change for, for us. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're grateful. Even this past week, we started to see, like, gaps that John, oh, John normally does that. Oh, shoot, he's doing the video. And so, uh, so we're already uh, missing your presence for sure. We wanted to... Uh, well, we're having a little barbecue, if you guys didn't catch that, to hang out and to be able to celebrate these guys. But we got them a couple of little going away gifts. Uh, first thing I've heard is that sleep is quite the premium. And so uh, we got you uh, a, a police uh, onesie. And uh, the, the nice thing about this particular one is it actually goes over your uniform. And so, uh, yeah. And so we definitely got our money's worth of fabric there. Uh, and so that's to help with your sleep, which Thank is hard you. to come by. Appreciate that. And uh, Appreciate that. <laughs> wanted to uh, give a, a couple other little things just for we got some, a bunch of worship CDs at the Catalyst Conference we wanted to pass on to you. They're in here. 
and uh, at least a dinner out at Wood Ranch for you and your wife, if you'd like to maybe catch a break. And I uh, want to just before, um, before we have you uh, come down from the stage here, just want to invite the elders to come forward. We wanted to uh, spend a little bit of time just praying and commissioning you guys just on this new adventure. And I, I know it's exactly that and going to be a lot of change and uh, just praying that God uses you mightily. Excited to hear reports. The encouraging thing is they'll be at church here and so we can get updates, maybe not in front every week, but I'd love for us just as a body, just check in with them and continue praying for them in this new adventure. Gary, would you mind just uh, leading us in a word of prayer real quick? You got to last time. so. <laughs> Lord, we're thankful that you've blessed us with the non-guesters here at church, and we ask that that would continue in the years to come. Um, we pray that you'd protect John, you know, as he's teaching felons how to do felony stances up against the wall. Um, Lord, it's, it's nice to see chapters open and other chapters continue on, and we just ask for your protection over their lives and uh, give him wisdom in all that he does, and we just pray that he would exalt you in his new position. Dear God, I just echo that prayer and just excited for both John and Amber. I pray for Amber just as this is a lot of major shift in her world as well. I pray that you'd bless her, that you'd encourage her, that you'd empower her. Just I know it'll be more responsibility with the kids. And, uh, and so I just pray that uh, during this season that you'd be, that you draw close to her as well. Just thank you so much for, for both of them and their, their heart for you, their desire to serve, all the things over the this last season of ministry that they've done behind the scenes without no one looking, nobody celebrating it, uh, but they, they've stayed faithful. And I just pray that you'd be faithful to them in response. I pray that you'd use John mightily in this, this new circle of influence that he has, uh, that you'd use him to be, to be bold, that you'd allow him to be able to present uh, the love and grace that he's experienced to these guys that so desperately need you. We thank you and we pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Well, well, we'd encourage you to all stick around and we'll have a big barbecue and hang out together. If you would like uh, to be prayed for before you go, we all, as always, have the elders available up here in front for that. But I pray you have a fantastic week. We'll see you outside.